0: Welcome to Attorney Heart, the podcast focused on bringing awareness to and promoting attorney well-being. Join Attorney Heart as you embark on a journey to improve the quality of your professional and personal life. And now, here's your host, Fernando Flores. Looking up, there's always sky. Rest your head, I'll take you high. We won't fail. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Attorney Heart. This is Fernando Flores, your host. And today I am really excited to bring our next guest, Jesse Kornberg. Hi, Jesse, how are you?
1: Hi, Fernando. Good, thank you.
0: And right before we get into our very awesome next guest, I want you to know that. Many times as attorneys, we feel that if we don't accomplish something on our own, that it may not count as a true accomplishment. But when it comes to needing support in relation to our health and wellness, there is really no shame in asking for help and seeking help. I predominantly focus on providing support to other attorneys and law students in two main areas, which is stress management and developing emotional intelligence. So if you want to learn more about these areas and how they can really help you and benefit you and increase your impact and influence as an attorney and advocate, don't hesitate to reach out at imatrnow at gmail.com. imatternow at gmail.com. And with that, I'd like to introduce Jesse Kornberg, our next guest. Jesse is the president and CEO of BetZedic. She is uh, an an, an incredibly uh, awesome person. And (laughs) BetZedic is a very highly respected public interest law firm based in Los Angeles that focuses on providing representation to clients who are low income as they are unable to afford an training. Jesse has established several firsts at BedZetic, including Los Angeles' first low-income tax and small business startup clinics, also the nation's first transgender medical legal partnership, in a family preparedness program to respond to growing concerns surrounding the deportation of undocumented parents, which right now is a really important issue. Jesse previously worked as a trial attorney at the law firm Bird Morella, and she was the executive director of Miss JD, which she, along with other law students, established as a national voice on issues concerning women and law and she earned her JD from UCLA Law School, and I can honestly keep on going. But I'm going to stop right there so that I provide Jesse as much time as possible uh, to talk. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me on Attorney Heart.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: So Jesse, one of the areas that I, I like to just start out, and uh, so that our listeners know, just tell us a little bit more about the work that you do um, as as the leader of Bedzetic, and you know what you see. Some of are the main issues that that your clients at Bedzetic face.
1: Absolutely. So Bedzetic is celebrating its forty fifth anniversary. Awesome. It is, and I'm so lucky to be here. Uh, we have seventy five staff members. And uh, we work with over 1,000 volunteers every year who donate their pro bono services. Uh, and together, we serve uh, as many as 50,000 people in Los Angeles every year. Wow! Yeah, it's amazing. Um, they, they come to us with a really broad range of legal needs, um, but they all have one thing in common, which is no chance to afford a lawyer to help them with those problems. And so the questions fall into a couple big categories. We have uh, programs for older and disabled adults who come to us uh, with needs surrounding being able to age in place and secure safe, affordable housing, uh, to secure government benefits and healthcare benefits, uh, to be able to afford meals uh, and in-home care. Um, And then with planning documents, powers of attorney, wills and trusts, advanced health care directives, Um, of course, uh, seniors also experience abuse and violence um, in increasing numbers right now, and our elder abuse response team is in higher demand than ever. We're also the primary resource for exploited workers in Southern California. So people who experience wage theft, uh, forced labor, and trafficking can come to BetSedek for legal relief um, and will represent more than 5,000 workers and recover more than $10 million in stolen wages every year. Wow. And then last but not least, you mentioned some of the rapid response work we do. So our Homelessness Prevention Unit, our Transgender Legal Rights Program, um, and our Family Preparedness and Immigrant Children's Defense work all fall into this third category of response to really urgent emerging needs um, that, boy, we hope are not around in another five to ten years, but, (laughs) but right now need our attention.
0: Oh, that's awesome! A, a true multifaceted approach to to advocacy. That that's really great. And, and Jesse, what, you know, for you, what what was the impetus to really decide to become involved in representing these communities? What was the impetus for you to say, you know, what this is this is the 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 fight? This is the fight that I want to get involved in right now. Can you get into a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I find this work really interesting and really compelling, and um, I think it's an incredible privilege to get to do work you think is interesting. Certainly, I think the vast majority of people don't, um, and I know how lucky I am to have choices about what I do to support my family, Um, and I got to make a choice to do something that I just think is really interesting. And, you know, I go home at the end of the day feeling like I helped work on things that bring meaning to my life as well as other people's um so it's just it's it's self-interested even though it helps other people just for me it's been the most interesting challenging exciting work i've ever had the opportunity to do
0: i think that's such a beautiful way of putting it and it really gives uh some some clear perspective on our work right like the fact that we have the ability to choose the work that we do that in and of itself you're right is such a privilege i know you know, I, I I've represented you know low income clients, immigrant clients in in wage and hour cases, and um, the work that they're doing. Sometimes they, they have no choice. That is the the only option that they have. And if it doesn't pay right, that's they have no choice. They have to take that work. And so I really I really appreciate you you bringing that up. Um, in in relation to the work that you did um as as a trial advocate back in in you know when you were working at the firm what is um if you were to draw a distinction between the different uh challenges that you face then and the challenges that you face now um you know how do you how do you compare that you know what are what are some of the the things that that you feel you're still using and those skills that you used back then, they're still applicable now. And, you know, what are the new skills that you had to develop? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, It's a very different kind of decision-making process uh, being in client service. Um, You know, most of the really challenging questions I had as a lawyer representing commercial clients, um, ultimately there were, rule books or legal opinions that helped provide a roadmap for how to make good decisions um, and give good advice to those clients and represent them well. There was, you know, some set of guidelines, usually in writing, um, that helped you map out a strategy. This is a management role and a leadership role. It's far less analytical. Um, The work product is very different. And um, most days, you know, I would give anything for the equivalent of the, you know, code of civil procedure (laughs) in my job, right? Um, the, The questions tend to be less black and white. Um, there tend to be fewer rules. Um, we're a good employer. It's not like we're skirt. You know, it's true. There are rules that govern how you are an employer and how you are a lawyer. Those aren't really the questions we're asking ourselves. We're following those rules. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. And so the questions are tougher questions. Like there are more people who need help than we have lawyers who can help them, and so we've got to make a tough call about whether to spend our time and our precious resources in one area or another. And making the call about where um, we should devote ourselves is really tough because saying yes to someone means saying no to someone else. And that example of how tough the decision is with respect to clients, it's not that different in so many other aspects of managing a company, right? You're saying yes to one expenditure, look, it's a zero sum game. We have a budget. So it means saying no to something else. So yes, this person is going to get a raise or yes, this person is going to go speak at a conference. It means no, someone else is not going to do those things. Right. So it's, um, those big decisions, um, there's no code of civil procedure for those. Right. And it's about, um, getting good information, having a team who's giving you good data, um, Getting input from the right people and then making a decision ultimately that you feel like you can really stand behind
0: mm. so in your current role, what would you say is an aspect that you feel you enjoy the most, and then contrary on the opposing end, you know what is an aspect that you uh, you know I, I could do I could do without that, or I could do with less of that
1: <laughs> sure um, so You know, one of the things that is amazing about my role here is that we have a really incredible crop of young attorneys that we see jump in the deep end of legal practice um, and tackle really, really challenging problems and thrive. And it's so awesome to see the energy that they bring to the work, the creativity they bring to age old problems, and how excited they are to learn those new skills from our veteran attorneys here. We have amazing litigators who have been practicing poverty law at Betsetic for longer than I have been alive. <laughs> to, I'm not kidding. That's not a, yeah. That's not a hyperbolic statement. It's true. And to get to wow. help facilitate them teaching a new generation of legal advocates is so inspiring. And I'm so proud of everyone in that equation really being successful. Um, What could I use less of? Um, You know, we don't think of ourselves as being engaged in political advocacy. Like, we just want the law to apply equally to everyone and for people to be treated fairly. I will tell you, in in this climate and this new administration, it has been increasingly challenging to feel like you can fully represent the interests of your clients without becoming more and more entangled in what are ultimately Mm -hmm. political questions. And it's not what I got into this work to do. Um, And yet that those political fights are feeling um, like less and less of a luxury and actually something that we need to you know, be engaged on, in, on behalf of our clients because particularly for the undocumented clients that we represent here in Los Angeles, it is just too dangerous for them to be the visible, loud, vocal fo- voice pushing back against some of these policy changes. They need um, people in much better protected positions like those we occupy um, to speak for them in so many cases. And it's not what we signed up to do, but um, I'm not sure who else is going to do it
0: oh man that 's uh yeah that 's definitely uh, you know a, a powerful uh, just explanation of where things stand now, you know where you 're trying to focus on the advocacy component, but there 's outside factors that play into it as well now that can also in some ways try to tangle things up in a way that that you know can limit how much you advocate for for certain clients so I definitely, I definitely see that. You know, in relation to one of the the groups that that uh, you were serving, or or one of the areas that the of of uh, advocacy that you that you created, the the low income tax and small business startup clinics. One of the things that I that I read, and I mean, feel free to correct me on it, and just kind of elaborate. But uh, I think there was a component of of uh, mental health, mental wellness, where it is possible that they could have taken taxes away from folks that were actually entitled to uh, seek disability benefits or something in relation to that, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know, how, how you are, are looking into that issue? Um,
1: You know, our tax controversy clinic is such an interesting, cool program. I totally love it. I'm a total tax nerd now um, (laughs) because you know what? Those tax dollars mean more, not less to families who are struggling to put food on the table. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, making sure that they're well represented in front of the tax court or in front of the IRS, it has a huge impact. On their family's health and well being. Um, having a tax lien can uh, garnish your wages, it can threaten your benefits, it can impact yeah. your ability to secure housing. The IRS has really, really powerful tools of enforcement, um, really unlike any other creditor or government agency. And so these are cases that bring real change to families' day-to-day lives. Um, So one uh, way in which we saw this play out is something that you referenced. And um, this was the case of a uh, an individual who we met through his shelter provider. He was homeless when he came to us. That mm. was a challenge in his case because he did not have a reliable address uh, or contact information that the IRS or his lawyers could use to resolve his case, and that resulted in a number of challenges, including some missed deadlines, because the the ability that the IRS had to reach him in a meaningful way was really really limited. Mm. Um, but he was a person with a mental health diagnosis who qualified for supplemental security income as a person with a permanent disability. Um, it's not easy to qualify for SSI benefits, right? right? Like this is a very significant factual finding by federal agency officers um, in conjunction with certified medical professionals that gets you into that category of people who qualify for government assistance because your disability is such that you cannot reasonably be expected to provide uh, funds sufficient to cover your own housing and food costs. And so the SSDI benefits are limited. You can only spend them on rent and food. That's it.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: he had uh, before his illness really consumed um, his capacity. He had been a manager at a bank, he owned a home. Um, and when he fell into a clinical depression, uh, he lost both of those things. And when his home was foreclosed upon, uh, it was the foreclosure sale was misreported to the IRS. And instead of the bank showing the profit it made on the sale of his home, it was reported to the IRS as profit to him, uh, which was not in fact the case, and he was taxed as if he had benefited from the proceeds of that foreclosure sale, which he had not.
0: Wow! And,
1: you know, it's just a clerical error. It happens all the time. Like, there's no, no nefarious intent there. The you know, the IRS has 300 million taxpayers. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> These things right, right. happen. Um. But because of his mental health issues, because he was homeless, um, just the logistics of it, he never responded to the tax lien to contest it. And um, the IRS ended up not only um, assessing that lien against him, but garnishing his Social Security disability payments such that he could no longer afford even to rent Uh, Temporary housing, Um, and so it's just an example of you know all good actors with good intent, but really harming this individual's chances for for health and success. And you know the IRS wants to get it right, just like we do. Um, And once we were able to get in touch with the relevant officials at the IRS and bring this error to their attention, they did resolve it. Um, but not until after this man had experienced years of pain and stress um, that we wish could have been avoided earlier.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the questions that comes up for me is also, you know, as a result of everything that it went, he went through, you know, at what point is his healing going to start, you know, from, from everything that he experienced. And that's, uh, um, you know, it's really powerful that you were able to assist him and clear it up for him. And But, you know, uh, hopefully his, you know, his healing does start. So.
1: Yeah. And I think what, you know, the, one of the lessons we drew from that, and we've been trying to advocate for this position with the IRS in general is there's no reason that an IRS tax lien should ever be assessed against disability insurance yeah dollars that you only qualify for if you're living below the poverty line right you only qualify for if you have no chance of supporting yourself that you only are able to spend on food and shelter yeah shouldn't be subject to a tax lien
0: yeah you know i actually didn't know that that interaction but i you know after i read a little bit on it i became interested in that and that's uh i mean that's an important um advocacy piece. And I'm, I'm glad that, that you're, you're pushing on it and you're, you're taking it head on, you know?
1: Yeah, me too. (laughs)
0: Um, Jesse, one, one question that, that I had for you was, as you take on, you know, uh, bigger challenges and as you become responsible for, for more staff and as you lead the effort to advocate as effectively and as efficiently as possible, for the communities, you know, that bed Zedek represents and advocates for what, what are ways that you also, uh, you know, this is more, more for you. Um, what are ways that you try to maintain balance in your own life? What are ways that you try to, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some time to breathe. You know, I think that's something that, um, attorney heart listeners really like, um, hearing, uh, guests speak on. So if you could share a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, I think at some point you realize that you are the person who decides how behind you're going to be. You accept that you will probably never be all the way caught up (laughs) (laughs) and that, like, your life is a product of your preferences and choices and priorities. And once you take responsibility for that, um, I think you can release yourself from the stress of being late. I'm late all the time. I wish I wasn't. You know, um, (laughs) I'm behind all the time. I wish I wasn't. I try to conduct myself with respect for the people that I work with so they know that if I haven't answered their email or their phone call, it's not because I don't care about them. Um, I do. I do care. um, But, you know, the demands are real. And I have to try to be responsible to the most urgent needs and the most important needs first. Yeah. That said, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you have to put yourself on that list, you know, Um, and it's that balance of are you going to be more stressed because you didn't finish something at work or are you going to be more stressed because you haven't exercised in a month? You know, and only you can answer that question for yourself. And a little bit of it is like guess and check. Like some months you might try to exercise more, and then you're like, nope, my inbox is too overcrowded. This is not working for me. Yeah. Exercise is going to have to wait for next year. Like, <laughs> you know, the, there are these choices that you make. And I think just recognizing, again, the privilege of choice that's what privilege is. It's just the freedom to make choices um, that I get to decide um, do I want to wake up earlier? and go for a walk with my dog which has been my choice most of the time the last year or so (laughs) um and listen to like a podcast or a book on tape that has nothing to do with what i'm going to be thinking about the rest of the day yeah um you know or not do i want to sleep another hour because like i had a late night and you know it would just be better for me to get one more hour of sleep and so you know that's i do think it's um you know, it's all choices, I will say I have benefited um, in making those choices from regularly thinking about what my highest priorities are and being really clear with myself and with other people around me about what my highest priorities are, because it is unrealistic to think that you're going to value everything equally. Um, I love that. And so we do it for the business, and and I do it for myself. You know, like you have a business plan, and it says, we, you know, our priorities are X, Y, and Z. And so when we have to make hard choices about having not enough resources to say yes to everything, and we're going to have to be picky, well, our choices are going to reflect those priorities, right? Mm -hmm. And the same is true in your personal life and in your professional development. You know, if the most important thing to you is to grow your family, then you're going to have to make time to make sure that your body is healthy and you are spending time within your personal relationships. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to accomplish that goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's not your goal and your goal is to make partner or have a $10 million book of business or, you know, those are all equally legitimate goals. They're mm-hmm. equally legitimate for someone. And the question is just like, what's yours? Um, yeah. And, and it's okay to change your mind, by the way. <laughs> like, yeah. know, in any given year, you might decide that's no longer my priority. Um, I have a different goal. Um, but that way, when you are making those choices about like, do I get up in the morning and go for the walk? Or do I take the extra hour and sleep? Or do I like binge watch a Netflix thing? Or do I get on email and start like moving through my inbox? You know, that choice can reflect your priority. Um, And I find that very helpful because then you feel less guilty about the things you say no to or the things you're behind on and you feel really good about the choices you're making.
0: Yeah. No, I I really like that perspective in terms of, you know, choosing and being uh, mindful and aware of your, your, your highest priorities. You know, I really like that. And what, from your end, what do you feel how constantly are you checking in on that? I mean, is that something that you check in on on a daily basis or is it like a weekly basis? So you know what, every quarter, I try to look at what my higher priorities are or does it differ depending on whether it's a personal or professional priority? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so first of all, at the business, um, we're in the middle of a six-year strategic plan. Um, we do a full management board retreat once a year to track like not only our progress, but our goal setting on the plan. And then we look in quarterly to track progress on those those goals and progress towards those goals. Um, I do not have a six-year personal plan. <laughs> um, I'm not ready for, you know, multi-year personal planning, to be honest. Um, but I do try to spend some time kind of really doing this in an intentional way every one to two years of thinking about, you know, I I do think like five to 10 years from now, what would be something really great and meaningful to me that I could, you know, think about as a future goal? And then what in the next six months or 12 months could I do to be moving in that direction? I do try to do that once every year or
0: so. Got it. Okay. That's 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 really that's really helpful. I do not issue
1: myself quarterly reports.
0: (laughs) It's only at work. (laughs) Awesome. Um, and you know, in terms of the 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 trial work that you did, because I know you also had a very uh, unique experience. You had a, a trial that was weeks long. Right, and I think at the time you were you were pregnant, right? During this, uh, was it in an intellectual property trial? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. back in what 2013, right? Yeah, that's when my son was born. (laughs) That's when your son was born. Okay, Um, congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Um, But at the time, um, you also, uh, as you were you were doing this trial, there, there were I'm sure just lessons that you ended up learning? And and was it a goal for you? Was that a priority at the time that you wanted to, to handle the trial? Um, Or was it something that, okay, you know, uh, do you want to be part of this uh, trial team? And you're like, yes, let's do it. Let's go for it.
1: Yeah, I, um, it was a goal of mine to, I would say, learn the craft. Um, I had been running another nonprofit and I left that management role and joined Bird Morella, uh, which is a a boutique trial firm, um, because I wanted to learn how to be um, a good litigator from people I thought were some of the best in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, These are real uh, thoughtful, professional trial lawyers. And um, so certainly exposure to that experience was a high priority for me. I think by the time I was in that trial in 2013, I'd already been, you know, like lead counsel in a number of matters. So um, it was probably the biggest matter I had handled up until that point. And that, that is always a a good new challenge to have. Um, But I also, frankly, you know, my, my most vivid memories from that trial beyond those associated with being pregnant, I just had incredibly, awesome clients in that case uh, in whose uh, cause I believed totally, like I thought they had been wronged and I was Mm -hmm. um, in it with them. You know, I really wanted to see them succeed in that. And uh, that's a really fun experience to have as a commercial lawyer to, to have clients you just are really fighting for is, is a lot of fun. Um, And it was a really interesting experience. Experience to be pregnant in that trial it was a jury trial. Mm-hmm. We were in San Diego, um, which is not where I lived. And so I was already conscious of being mean, you know, a little bit of a carpetbagger, right? Like coming from Los Angeles down to San Diego. Our clients mm. were from Los Angeles down to San Diego. We were uh, adverse to a local San Diego company. We were going to have a San Diego jury. So, you know, you're already thinking about how does this look? Um, how do people feel about you?
0: Potentially and getting hometowned or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. You
1: know, you just want to be careful and thoughtful. And, and then um, here I am on top of that. Uh, waddling around the courtroom, like super, <laughs> super pregnant, and just um, you know, there are a lot of stereotypes out there about what people think about women and mothers in the workplace. And I, you know, I experienced that the whole time I was pregnant, it just seemed like the only thing anybody would talk to me about, and it was the only lens through which people saw me. I felt so much of the time. Time. And mm-hmm. I was really worried about what, what impact would that have on my clients being heard right. um, in this courtroom, you know, if, if my physical appearance was somehow overshadowing kind of the message of the case that we were trying to get across. And so, you know, we had a conversation about it. I, I brought it up. Um, it wasn't imposed on me. I was just like, what do we think about this? Um, does it, you know, do, do we think anything about it? And I had an amazing, um, amazing team around me and I had these awesome clients and everyone was like, no, like it's going to be fine. Have a little faith, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, once you decide to do it, then you're just off to the races and you're not thinking about it too much. And, um, I will say I definitely remember like being at council table, being super tired, having <laughs> things not go perfectly. Nothing ever goes exactly the way you expect in a jury trial, and or in
0: any trial, in
1: any <laughs> trial, yeah. And and just feeling like, all right, you know what? No matter what else happens, I know I have one vote. Like I've like got like this one little guy is on my side, <laughs> and like that was kind of helpful. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah, that was helpful. Um. But I mean, I've shared the story before, and it really is such an important lesson. At the end of at the end of any jury trial, lawyers go racing out of the courtroom to talk to jurors to right. try to understand what worked, what didn't work, why they made a decision the way they made it. Um, maybe there's even some jury nullification evidence you can gather in those moments. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this trial, I wasn't running anywhere. I was like, Exhausted. I mean, I was really <laughs> tired. Yeah. I wasn't carrying bankers bag. I was like, no, I am just going to sit here at a council table and take a breath. And we had had a really good result. Um, I was very happy and like did not need to be rushing off anywhere.
0: Well, and and uh, and I and by good result, just for you know, for folks reference, I think it was, uh, if I'm correct, one of the like top ten intellectual property verdicts in your favor, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. In, in well, 2013, it, right? It was a huge, a huge win for us that year. We were really excited.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And you know, so I collect my things in my own sweet mm-hmm. time and walk. I'm like way behind all the other lawyers. Many minutes have passed by, <laughs> and um. Waddle out uh, of the courtroom, and sure enough, wouldn't you know? Like all all of the jurors and their all three alternates are standing outside the courtroom waiting for me.
0: Wow!
1: And because uh, like they wanted to know if it was a boy or a girl.
0: No way. Yeah, because like they had that was a question that they wanted to ask. Yeah.
1: They all want to know is it a boy or a girl? Because they've been sitting there for weeks watching me grow out of suits at the lunch break and you know, all this ridiculous. And the whole time they have a clue about who I am, but they don't have like all their questions Mm. answered, right? And it just tells you there's well, but also, by the way, turns out there was a woman who was pregnant on the jury. Young woman wasn't showing yet. First trimester, she was pregnant. Wow. So like, guess who she was friends with in her yeah. mind from the get go. Yeah. Um, and like, you just, it just reminded me so much of trial work, like so much of everything else in life is about establishing some kind of shared interest or common connection or relationship. And that's all, that's all most of us are ever looking for when we meet another person. So feel like you really know who they are and that they know who you are and that you like each other or trust each other or have something in common. You know, that's kind of all you ever look for. And certainly if you're a trial lawyer, it's what you're trying to somehow establish with a jury, despite all these rules yep. that like, you can't just preach to them. Right. So, yeah. um, so it's such a good lesson, you know, like I was walking into that courtroom with Something personal about myself that was going to get broadcast to that jury that was going to help them feel like they understood who I was, and that was a good thing.
0: In a way, you were you you built a connection um, by yeah, just you know, being being open and and vulnerable in that way, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So that's uh, that's such a powerful story, (laughs) Jesse. Thanks for sharing.
1: Good lesson for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and um, you know I. I really, I really want to ask you, um, you know, for folks that are interested in entering the nonprofit world, and going into public sector work, and 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 joining you, you know, and whether it's BedZetic or another another nonprofit law firm uh, in the trenches, you know, what what are some tips and, and advice. And I also, you know, in a little bit, I want to ask for your, your information in case, you know, folks have uh, an interest in, in, in connecting with with you or BetZetic and and trying to, to join the team. But let's start just with, you know, what are some of the, the tips and advice that you have for folks who are interested in, in becoming involved in public sector work?
1: Absolutely. Um, well, look, money is real, right? <laughs> um, we have less of it. So, Um, The most important thing is to manage your debt. Um, Mm. Law students, any kind of student taking on debt uh, to pursue their professional ambitions, if that ambition includes public service, the debt is going to significantly limit your ability to pursue uh, some of the opportunities out there. Mm. It's real. Yeah. Um, So I was a working student um, all through college, all through law school. I worked Uh, just about full time, so that I graduated with minimum debt and had more freedom um, to take opportunities that gave me real professional uh, challenges, um, but had lower compensation. Uh, And that has absolutely made the difference in my ability to be qualified for the kinds of jobs that I wanted so that's number one. I mean, unpaid yeah. internships, you know, all that stuff, it's real. It's real, and, yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, I am absolutely cognizant of how lucky I was um, to be able to to go to school at all um, and to be able to graduate from school with very, very limited debt. So yeah. that's number one. Um, in Los Angeles, if you're talking about legal aid at a place like BetSedic, Language ability is huge. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am, you can't see from here, but I am in Koreatown. It's the most diverse census tract in the history of the country. Mm. More languages, more nationalities, more ethnicities, more backgrounds here than anywhere else in the history of the world. It's super cool. Only yeah. if you only speak English, <laughs> <laughs> you're only going to help the people who only speak English. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I cannot tell you what a premium uh, bilingual, biliterate uh, advocates are to us.
0: So, mm. something to think about. Yeah.
1: Very similar to medicine right now, right? I mean, yeah. You want to uh, have a corollary. So, those are really just like practical nuts and bolts. Um, cool. And then I would just say, you know, it's like for any person in a job search, um, it's a very very competitive hiring market, unemployment, super low. So you could find success just blasting out your resume to like a hundred places. I'm not going to tell you that doesn't work. It could work. It could work. Um, But I will also tell you that like our jobs are few and far between and they're very competitive. And if you want to work here, you have to be able to articulate why. And if you can convince me that you really want to work here that means a lot, sometimes more than having, like, the perfect skills. Yeah. Because you can teach a lot. Like, we have really good lawyers here who can teach you a lot. Um, but I can't teach you – I can't convince you to want to work here. And yeah. it, it takes wanting to do this work to do it well because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And I think that actually applies to most jobs. Like. Yeah. Most people in my position, I hate hiring. It's like the hardest thing I do. It's really hard. It's really hard to know anything about somebody from like a resume and a half an hour. Yeah. And it's a huge risk. Like it's really expensive to hire people. And it's, you don't ever want to lose them because, you know, even if they're not working out perfectly, like replacing them is just so resource intensive. Yeah. So it's really, really hard. Um really really hard to hire and if somebody can convince me that they really want to be here it goes a long way
0: yeah i used to tell that to candidates uh, who were interested in applying either you know when i worked at lafla legal aid foundation of la or at um now legal aid at work um yeah i can i can teach you you know litigation skills but i can't teach you that fire in the belly yeah i just for sure. i just can't teach you that yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. So, uh, that, that definitely resonates. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesse, I, I really appreciate your time and, um, I just want to give you the last word, you know, is there, is there any other tips that you want to leave our listeners with whether it's someone who, uh, you know, hasn't done a trial before or someone uh, who's in law school and is trying to figure their, you know, their way, um, feel free to, you know, or just anything, any, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with. Again, um you know we're 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 trying to uh uh move the wellness movement forward and um you definitely being on is is helping uh is helping do that so yeah just anything in that regard
1: i'll tell you the same thing my grandfather told me
0: be bold mm.
1: that's it awesome, be bold Jessie.
0: Awesome. I love it. (laughs) Well, Jesse, thank you again. I know you uh, run an incredibly tight schedule and you have a lot of uh, uh, high priorities. I thank you for making me one of those today. (laughs) And uh, I look forward to staying in touch.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. I love what you're doing and wish you and your listeners just wellness. It's a good goal. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you thank you i appreciate it jesse and um if folks wanted to to connect with Betzedic, what is the best way that they can do that and you know if they were interested in opportunities um you know uh, where, where can they look that up
1: www.betzedic.org. Betzedic is and this is really fun because almost all the letters rhyme spelled b-e-t-t-z-e-d-e-k dot org all of our job openings are listed there Um, the the link to volunteer is listed there phone number every single person who works here's email address all on the website that's probably the easiest way
0: excellent jesse easy enough and i'll make sure i include it in the in the podcast notes as well
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, you have a great rest of your week, Jesse. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Attorney Heart. Have a great rest of your week and I look forward to catching you at the next episode. All right. Bye, Jesse. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Fernando, your host of Attorney Heart. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. And if it can benefit anyone that you know, please share it. Attorney Heart is brought to you by I Matter Now. I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W. Please make sure to check our website at iMatterNow.com. Again, I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Every day presents an opportunity to engage in self-care. And remember that it is not selfish to take care of your well-being. It is necessary. So take care and connect with you on the next Attorney Heart episode.